The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapset Minded. My name is Jared Book, and the next installment of our preview of the Canadian teams as we look forward to the 2021 NHL season. Uh, joining me today and, and our look at the Calgary Flames is Salim Valji at TSN. Uh, Salim, how are you? Good. How are you, Jared? I'm, I'm great. And, and it's funny, we, we were kind of talking about this, but we... Uh, we, we've talked a lot, but I don't, we've had, we've have never actually talked, <laughs> and so it's uh, <laughs> it, it's nice to have that that kind of connection uh, with you, and uh, appreciate taking the time uh, with us. And we'll, we'll we'll get started right away. I mean, obviously, the big news this off season for for the Flames is the the addition of of Jacob Marstrom. Uh, obviously, there's been a revolving door at goaltender for the the Flames the last few years. A few early uh, playoff exits as well. But what's the, the buzz, I guess, with, with the new additions of, of him and, and Chris Tanev as well from the Canucks uh, going forward uh, with this with the season? Well, Jared, you hit the nail on the head with, with saying just how big a, a question mark goaltending has been for this franchise since 2013 when Mika Kiprusov retired. Since then, uh, 13 goaltenders have, have tried and had varying degrees of success between the pipes for the Flames. So evidently this was a big uh, priority for Brad Trilliving and uh, his staff. So in enters Jacob Markstrom, who had many suitors, including the uh, the vaunted rivals to the north. And uh, Markstrom signed the richest contract the Flames have ever given a goaltender. And uh, it seems as though the players are excited. Uh, players will tell you that if you have a good goaltender, as you know in Montreal, where you have probably the best one, when you have that level of confidence in the person stopping the pucks behind you, it frees you up to do different things offensively and defensively. Perhaps defensemen are more willing to jump into the rush or perhaps players on offense are, are willing to spend more time in that zone where they know that 95 times out of 100 or 91 times out of 100, they'll get bailed out. And I think that's what the Flames envision with Jacob Markstrom, where that stability will not only give them great goaltending, but it will also enable their defensemen to perhaps play more up in, in the rush or their forwards to be a bit more creative when when trying to produce offense. So that's really big. And don't underestimate the the addition of Chris Tanev either. I've, uh, I've talked to a few players since I assumed this role as uh, the TSN Calgary Bureau reporter a few weeks ago. And both Mark Giordano and Milan Lucic told me that uh, Chris Tanev, who's known as a defensive defenseman, he's penciled in right now, I think, to play with Giordano. 
But both of them lauded his ability to jump up into the play and his skating ability. So we talk about them losing TJ Brody, that cerebral offensive defenseman. But Chris Tanev, according to the players I've skated with him, could be a surprise when it comes to the offense himself. So a couple of big additions. And I think people are excited just about that goaltending question finally, fingers crossed, <laughs> being being answered. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, obviously his suitors, he, he's coming from the Canucks. Obviously, they were looking into, you know, bringing him back or, or at least considering it. They end up getting Braden Holby and the Oilers as well, looking into adding him. How much of, of, of a boon is it just to not only get the goaltender, but those two teams who would have been their division rivals anyway, uh, but in a, if there is a Canadian division, obviously uh, still the case, uh, of them, you know, adding but also making sure that their their biggest rivals are not getting him also yeah that's a great point and and when we were dming on twitter the prospect of a canadian division seemed all but guaranteed and now because of uh some reporting by by frank cervalli that looks not to be as certain but you're right jared when you think about the fact that uh there could be a 56 game schedule and they could be the Flames could be facing the Oilers nine to ten times, uh, the Canucks as well. Uh, it definitely would add up. And in in the Canucks case, they did bring in Braden Holtby. Uh, they they did bring in a replacement who who has a, a decent amount of pedigree. Perhaps it doesn't have the the numbers of Jacob Markstrom, mm-hmm. but for the Oilers, they brought back both Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. So I think for the Oilers and the Flames, that'll be a lot more pronounced of an advantage for the Calgary Flames, just that they do have this bonafide number one goalie who was fourth in Vezina voting last season. And uh, they're, the the Oilers just don't have anyone that can match that. The The Canucks did did find Braden Holpe, and mm-hmm. he had a decent, he's had a decent couple of seasons, although he has tapered off, but... I think the the real advantage for the for the Flames is just uh, when they play the Oilers more. So, yeah, and, and obviously you know the firepower the Oilers have they they can tend to outscore a lot of teams, uh, and having that goaltender is, is obviously a huge uh, huge asset there. And I, I was looking at at the the Flames, you know, doing doing some research uh, for for this this episode, and one of the things that stuck out to me was the 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 emergence of Sam Bennett during the postseason. You know, he's a guy who who really has has not lived up to his high, you know, first round pick billing, and and kind of had a really mediocre season. You know, eight goals, four assists in in fifty two games, and in the playoffs he ends up leading the team in scoring. And, and is is there some, is there some uh, kind of expectation that uh, he can emerge and kind of help that that core? Obviously, the core is is the 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 big ticket, especially offensively for for the Flames. Is there kind of hope that? they can get a little bit of help from Sam Bennett um, after his, his good postseason? I'm not sure. I I think it's funny just when you, in any business, when you, when you rank people and Bennett will forever be a top five pick <laughs> and it appears that he will not produce statistically the way a top five pick should, mm. you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, you're right. He he had a fairly pedestrian regular season and turned it around in the playoffs. I think for any team, he's he's a fairly useful piece. He has a lot of grit, a lot of sandpaper. He can play a top six role. I don't think consistently, but he can fill in here and there. He's probably a bottom six player at this point. 
But um, I, I imagine, I imagine that the franchise isn't expecting him to be to be flanking Sean Monahan anytime soon <laughs> on a consistent basis. I don't know. At this point with Sam, you you probably know what you have already with him, and 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 that's that's you know a player that we just described. Um, I think if he plays a third line role, if he if he provides physicality, if he if he can shut down uh, higher end offensive players, that'll be enough. And and you see the style of game he plays. Perhaps his value is more so in the playoffs, but I think at this point, for the franchise, it's the ship has, the expectations have sailed in terms of if they expect him to be a top three or top six player. Yeah, and it, it's kind of funny because a lot of the talk, you know, from from outside uh, of the market was like, especially when they they lost um, in the first round, was is this it for that that core? And obviously, you know. With Kachuk and Goudreau and Monahan and uh, Elias Lindholm um, having a, a pretty good season after coming from from Carolina, obviously Giordano uh, is part of that as well. And it, it seems like with the additions of, of Markstrom Tanev and, and not really subtracting anybody or, or making any major changes, and obviously there's a lot of different reasons why that could happen. You know, it takes two teams to to make moves, especially big moves, and now it's not exactly the time that teams are looking to do that. Um, you get the impression that you know um, it, it was the investment into his his established core for, for by Brad Treadliving and, and adding to it and not really making any major um, overhauls. I mean, this is a team that was the number one seed just two years ago, right? Yeah, how quickly how quickly <laughs> life changes, hey Jared. Um, I think again we we talk about the significance of Markstrom and. Have you really given your core a legitimate shot if year after year you're wondering who's going to be between the pipes? Is it going to be Jonas Hiller? Is it going to be Cam Talbot? Do we think David Riddich will will have his breakout season? Um, Yoni Ortio, uh, Rito Berra, there's yeah. just a long, long list. And even, um, even when it comes to, to this season... You're right. We we have a lot of questions. There's always the speculation around Johnny Gaudreau, and as he inches day as he inches day by day towards free agency, there are those questions. To me, we we haven't yet seen this core produce with a consistent goaltender. So, do we really know what they're capable of? And that could be a pretty broad philosophical question as it pertains to hockey. But when year after year you're having a revolving door of goaltenders. Um, it might be tough to really know, even though Gaudreau, Monaghan, um, Backlund, they've all been here for a few years. Do we really know what they're capable of? Do we do we have a sense of their potential? Um, perhaps this year is the best of years as we'll ever get to see what they're made of. We assume that Jacob Markstrom, he might not be a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League, but he'll surely be a top 10 goaltender. And that could be that could be our first glimpse into the true potential of this group. And um, you look at uh, you look at the speculation around this team last season, uh, or excuse me, this past off season. Um, there's always going to be questions about, hey, another playoff disappointment. Um, what do you do with your core? Do you think about moving Goodrow? But but to me, I think this is the, their first real legit. Um, opportunity just because they finally have that goaltender. 
Yeah, and I guess it's when you get to a certain point, uh, and this doesn't go for the Flames, but just every team, it's marginal gains, right? So yeah. it's the the addition of having, you know, a consistently above average goaltender as opposed to, you know, not knowing what's going to happen on a given night. It could be the difference between, you know, being a uh, middle-of-the-pack, you know, even bubble playoff team and, and being um, near near the top and in the seating. And obviously, you know, it, it's funny because I'm looking at, at their history and I'm kind of getting shades of the early 2010-era Canadians. Not, not so much because <laughs> of the goaltending or anything like that, but because, you know, they're a team that had... Uh, a very, very good season two years ago. And I think a lot of people forget how good they were. I, I definitely did um, from somebody yeah. obviously in, on, in the East and, and not really, you know, paying attention to, to the entire league and, and, you know, short-term memory and, you know, 2020 and all of that. But um, <laughs> in, in terms of a team that finished um, as number one seed in, in the Western Conference and then losing in the first round to what has become an emerging Colorado Avalanche team, and then the next year losing to what ended up being the obviously won the, the play-in series against against Winnipeg, and then losing to a, the eventual Western Conference champion uh, Dallas Stars in the first round. It reminds me of that those Canadian teams where you know they they had that crazy run in 2010. Then they, you know, they next year they lost in seven game seven overtime to the eventual Stanley Cup champions in, in Boston, and you kind of get a, a false um, impression of what they are because on paper it's a first round exit, but they lost to a pretty good team, and I guess that's something to to look forward to, especially with the additions that they made as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and you're right during during a season of this nature, even talking about the number of times you'll play each team and how valuable certain points are it could be it could be a fairly tight tight all canadian division it looks as though spots one through six are fairly interchangeable we we can probably assume that iowa won't won't be won't be competing as much as the other canadian six teams um but but yeah looking at that and how it could be a couple of overtime games that that ultimately decide what uh, who makes it into the playoffs and who doesn't, and um, every point matters. And f- I think the Flames probably have a goaltender now that can steal them those points, and they haven't had that before. Uh, it's interesting to think who do you think has the best goaltending in this all Canadian uh, division and how would you rank them? Cause that's a pretty interesting exercise too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, it, it's funny because I think that, that Montreal and, and Calgary are actually in pretty similar spots because you have a guy in, in David Riddick who maybe isn't built to be a, a number one guy, but in, in marginal work, he, he's probably a guy who, who can, come in especially in a condensed schedule similar to what the canadians have in jake allen right and having that mm-hmm. guy who you know you have markstrom and price who are the the undisputed number ones i would think on, on both of those teams but having a guy who you have trust in who has been you know a, a relatively you know strong contributor on both those sides and i think that that gives them an advantage you look at what toronto was doing with uh behind frederick anderson and just adding a bunch of NHL goaltenders, and I guess that's that's yeah. to kind of avoid what happened, you know, last year. And you know, they have Campbell, and they have Hutchinson, they have uh, the added Arundel as well. And I, I just feel like that that's what teams are trying to do is they know that the schedule is going to be condensed, and they don't want to be caught out if you know 
something happens to their number one goalie or even their number two goalie and, and having that depth. And I, I think I would probably say that, you know, Vancouver is a good example with, with Holtby and, and obviously Demko who, who emerged in the, in the playoffs as well. It, it's, it's really interesting to me. I, I would put um, those... I would probably put Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary at the top. I would probably lean Montreal just because I, I sure, think yeah. I, I think not only Carey Price, but with, with Allen, they have their first legitimate backup in in years, and and we saw what a healthy or arrested Carey Price can do in the postseason in the playoffs, and I think that that kind of woke up Mark Bergman to be like, okay, you know what, we can't keep on going. You talk about you know. The revolving door of, of backup goaltenders in Montreal, and, and I think that that Calgary has a very similar setup um, in, in the way that they're set up, and uh, Toronto, I, I think, also is, is setting them up that way. Uh, Vancouver as well, with with obviously Holpe and Demko. That they, on a pure like tandem basis, I think that's probably the, the number one. But I, I would probably lean to, to Montreal because I I, I do have. Uh, believe that Jake Allen is is probably uh, among the top of the backups in in that sense. So uh, it's going to be interesting though. And, and you said it's going to be with three point games, it's going to be r- ridiculously close. And uh, I, I do tend to agree that Ottawa is kind of in a different stage as the rest of mm-hmm. the teams are. Um, I, I think that every other team in, in a regular scenario would expect to be in the playoffs. And probably, um, yeah. you know, and, and they, they, you know, it, it'd be a disappointment for any of those teams to miss the playoffs. And obviously Toronto in, and Winnipeg and, in, uh, and even Edmonton in, in the, the circumstances of, of what was the, the 2020 postseason didn't end up making the playoffs. Um, and, and I think that that was a disappointment for them. And if, if that happens in a regular season like that, um, if it ends up, ends up that way, I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed Canadian teams uh, if it does go in this way. And maybe that's the reason why there's there's some skepticism about the Canadian division and why the NHL is looking at other options as well. Yeah, perhaps you're you're definitely uh, talking about for the most part six teams that that uh, would would likely see the postseason otherwise. And uh, six teams, I I don't know if Edmonton. Is is as deep as the other as the other teams. They've they've had issues with trying to build around McDavid and Trisal, yeah. and uh, it's unfortunate that you have the two best players in the world, but somehow you can't build build anything around them. But but yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch, and um, it'll be because of these three point games. I think there there probably will be a lot of really exciting buzz around each of these these. If, if they play three and in, in five or three and four nights, mm-hmm. these mini series is um, there'll be a lot of buzz around them. And I hope, I hope that, you know, the, the teams in the league market them well, because this is a really a once in a, once in a lifetime opportunity. If we have this Canadian division where you can get creative, you can build up rivalries. Um, you can, you can foster some, some sort of, of heat that, that perhaps wouldn't otherwise exist. If, Calgary only plays Montreal once every six months kind of thing. Yeah. So it could be a really cool situation where we get to see that. And we talk about here in Alberta, the, the folklore of, of Kazian and Tachuk <laughs> and um, maybe, maybe not to that scale, but it's fun to think about, you know, you guys in Montreal brought in Josh Anderson, who has a, a Milan Lucic esque game of his and, could be a fun. It could be. It could be some some heated rivalries that develop out of this. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny because I look at the, the, the Canadian teams in it and, you know, I, I I feel like I would want to watch all of those teams play. <laughs> and, and not just against each other, but just in, in general. Like, if I, I feel that those teams, and, and there's there's up and down years, and, you know, you can talk all day about the the lack of Canadian teams' success, really, since since nineteen since the 90s, really. But I feel like there there's finally a point where you look at every one of these teams and there's good young talent, there's good goaltending, there's uh, depth on, on, on the roster, and obviously different um, different teams are in different circumstances, but even a team like Edmonton, obviously you always want to watch you know, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl and, and see what, what they can do, and, and and then a team like Calgary with, with that young core that they have and then adding Markstrom, and then Vancouver has uh, an, a talented core in Pedersen and, and Quinn Hughes and 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 they have Demko and and Holpe. I just feel like every one of these teams is insanely marketable right now. You know, if I, uh, even Winnipeg with with Line A and uh, Shifley mm-hmm. and and those guys there, and uh, obviously the, the reigning Vesna Trophy winner as well, and in, in Connor Hellebuck. And I I just feel like there's there's a you know even Ottawa is going to be exciting for different reasons, and maybe they're a year or two away from really entering that conversation, but. I just feel like it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that some of these teams are going to have to miss the playoffs because I feel like, you know, in in a normal scenario, there's a very real possibility that uh, all all six of them would have made the playoffs in a regular season and maybe you know three and then one fighting for the wild card and you know there's there's different circumstances and obviously there's there's different teams that would want to fight in the playoffs fight for those playoff spots as well but. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is, it's going to be, you know, we, we saw a little bit with that, the play-in series and the best of um, best of five series to, to get into the playoffs. And I feel like this is going to be like a 56-game version of that because it's basically like a round robin and, and not just the Canadian division, but all the divisions. It's basically just a round robin to to see who's going to get into the playoffs. And it, it's it's kind of a unique scenario, but I feel like it, especially the Canadian division is, is kind of... Uh, is kind of really exciting because there's so many young players who just happen to be on these teams. And it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. And it gives people a chance to watch these teams, you know, uh, see Calgary on a regular basis, see Vancouver on a regular basis, and not necessarily just, you know, tuning into to hockey night in Canada for the, you know, the, the second part of the, the double header on Saturday nights and, and really looking at these teams and, and and want and seeing how they're doing in, in divisional rivalries and, and stuff like that, and I, I think it it opens up a new an, a new avenue to to market these these teams, and you know it's 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 gonna be it's if it happens it's gonna be fun because like I said there's there's a lot of talent I would tune into <laughs> in this Canadian mm-hmm. division for sure yeah, and uh, I think the Flames have a fairly local profile uh, in across Canada. You'll find people with dress and McDavid jerseys and <laughs> uh, in, in Calgary, the Habs tend to fill up half the building here when they're in town. So do the Leafs, but Calgary, Calgary might have the most local profile of any Canadian team. Maybe the jets are in there as well. I guess the Sanders too, but um it could be a chance, you know, you don't see in in Montreal, you don't see a lot of people walking around with a Giordano jersey or anything. Um, so that could be a, an, an opportunity for the Flames to to get uh, more of a national profile too. And 
and these games are going to be on different broadcasters as well. Mm-hmm. Normally, I think when the Flames and and Maple Leafs or the Flames and and Habs play, it's on on Hockey Night Canada. But maybe with different broadcasters too, that that'll that'll help yeah. things as well. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be cool to cover it as a reporter and as a journalist too, just because. This likely, we we hope we're never in a situation again where the borders are closed and we have to do a, an all Canadian division. But it'll, it'll be it'll be a unique situation for sure. And um, and thinking just about how evenly all these teams match up for the most part, and it's fun. I'm I'm getting excited just talking about it. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned local profile because. It, it, the the one time that you know a lot of people were were talking about the the flames was you know obviously the the unfortunate um circumstances of of the whole bill peters thing and and then yeah. the, the 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 story i i think and and where you know looking at this calgary team is is exciting is that you know they were a 500 team when when peters left and and even before all the circumstances that led to him leaving that there were kind of rumors that you know he, mm-hmm. he the team was struggling and that he would have been maybe um you know you know that coaching change would happen just for performance reasons and then under uh jeff ward they, they obviously go 24 15 and 3 and kind of turn their, their season around uh you know what what you've talked to 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 to, to ward and I mean, what is the impression that you get you know, going into his first full you know not full training <laughs> training camp but going to his first i guess um season having a an off season to kind of prepare as opposed to to taking over mid-season is that kind of a uh, something to look at from from a Flames perspective as well. Yeah, he's well. This is his first full time head coaching role, uh, so I, I think um, I think the organization clearly feels confident that that despite having opportunities to talk with the likes of Bruce Boudreau, Mike Babcock, any number of American Hockey League head coaches or National Hockey League assistants, they clearly feel that that Jeff is the way to go. The, the one common thread that I've heard about the team is that they were a really tight-knit group and they they genuinely enjoyed spending time with each other. And I haven't heard that necessarily, and maybe this is the case, but I, didn't, I don't remember hearing that about the Montreal Canadiens when I covered them, for instance. I don't remember people saying that, players or coaches or whatever. And that might be the case. They might have loved playing with each other, but that's sort of a common thread that I've gathered from hearing about the Calgary Flames and talking to a few people involved. Um, for for Jeff, I think I've heard that he's a really good communicator as well. And and maybe that wasn't the case with, with Bill Peters. So so it'll be it'll be cool to see. From what I understand, it'll be sort of a more defense first uh, style of hockey and he'll he'll sort of have that that mantra kind of thing. But uh, it'll be cool to watch just just how you're right, they, they haven't really subtracted anyone aside from TJ Brody. They're probably a more balanced team this season compared to last season. Um, I think they, to me, one of the only question marks is is sort of the depth at the wings, if Andrew Mangiapane can, can handle a top six role full-time. But beyond that, this looks to be as a fairly balanced roster. And again, you have goaltending. So I, I wonder just if, if um, just the type of system that Ward will implement and Johnny Gaudreau broke out under Bill Peters, and he struggled mightily last season. So that's that'll be another question: how how Ward manages his offensive stars like Gaudreau and Monahan, and and just the 
whether that chemistry the Flames had last season, and it seems as though they sort of rallied around the terrible events of December 2019. They sort of um, overcame that and and did ultimately go on a, a spirited run. Uh, so if they can continue that momentum, there's sort of a fresh start now, and and they have they have stability in net. So for Ward, it'll be it'll be fun to watch just what he does with his group. And, you know, I, as somebody who you know is is kind of entering the, the market in in your your role at TSN, is there anything that that kind of surprised you or, or that you you not not surprised you, but but something that you know maybe an under the radar aspect of of the Flames? You mentioned a, a few things already, but um, that that kind of uh, you see as a as a major you know factor or a major thread in this team um, as. as as compared to somebody who was kind of outside of that market beforehand and kind of, you know, being involved the, the way you are now? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'll again, go back to the chemistry element. I don't, mm-hmm. I just don't recall people talking about that way around the Montreal Canadiens. Whereas, <laughs> and whereas that, that seems to be the case with the flames and how they spent a lot of time together in the bubble and the team gelled fairly, fairly well last season. That's one aspect that, that was surprising to me. Um, eh, other things, not not a ton. I think I was fairly knowledgeable about the team coming in over here. Um, a couple of the guys mentioned that Chris Tanev is a really underrated skater and puck mover, so uh, that that was that was intriguing to read. They have a pretty interesting third line that's that's developing as well. We talked a lot about Sam Bennett, but there's also Milan Lucic that that should likely play on that line as well. Um, and Lucic proved last season that he's definitely not shy about being physical and about about sticking up for his teammates. Uh, I kind of wonder how they'll manage that line. I don't know if Lucic is a traditional shutdown winger per se, mm-hmm. and. Ultimately, you're going to have to choose someone to to play against the the Sidney Crosby's, <laughs> or I guess in this case the Austin Matthews's and um, uh, Elias Pettersons of the world. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know if you put the Bennett line with Lucic out there, or do you do you try and and counteract it with Michael Backlund and and his line with who he'll likely be playing with Tuchuk and and Giapani. So. Those are those are decisions that'll have to be made, and that's maybe where you see a bit of the lack of depth come into come into focus. Because even the the other players that they brought in are Josh Levo and um, Dominic Simone, who are guys I think that you probably want to play in your top six and and be in having more offensive starts than anything. Like they're not players that you would necessarily rely on for shutdown roles. So I think that that was a bit surprising where that might come back to haunt the flames a bit if if they get caught up with injuries or god forbid someone gets a positive covid test um but they did also bring in Joachim nordstrom too um so those are a few things uh and and um beyond that i think i've been i've been a bit uh surprised i guess i i always assume that each can- canadian you go from montreal where there's 60 or 70 70- <laughs> <laughs> reporters and Brossard practice and you're thinking okay this is probably Montreal maybe a bit a bit on the high end but um I I didn't realize how small the media contingent was for sports in <laughs> Calgary uh it it was surprising to me I always just figured maybe 50 but but each Canadian city had at least 30 or 40 people that were consistently covering the team so and that 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 maybe has been a bit of a good thing coming in 
um, and you're you're perhaps able to get certain interviews easier. I imagine for for Montreal reporters, the list of people that want to have a one-on-one with Mark Bergevin <laughs> is is longer than Santa's night list. So, uh, in this case, when when you're talking, I was fortunate to get to chat with Brad Tree Living a couple of times here early on and and the head coach jeff ward so that was a pleasant surprise so it, it kind of i guess each and every market's different with how reporters get along with with the relationships with the team uh each each situation is unique and montreal's definitely the most intense that's for sure probably more so than <laughs> toronto so yeah, I think it, I think it was Brian Burke who said he'd rather work in Toronto and Montreal because in in Montreal you're wrong in two languages, whereas everywhere yeah. else you're you're wrong in one. Um, but you mentioned you know mentioning Milan Lucic and just having Lucic in the same division as the Canadians again. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that will bring back. I'm sure that will bring even the best out of him uh, because obviously mm-hmm. he's not wearing that the you know the the gold and and black of of the Bruins. But I think if he sees Montreal. Uh, nine times in a year, I think that that's going to bring back some some aspects of of, of that game. And it, it's kind of unfortunate Dale Weiss is no longer part of the Canadians yeah. um, organization because, yeah, obviously their their history is 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 fun. And yeah, you kind of lose that when, like you mentioned before, when they only play uh, twice a year and, and kind of spread out to to going to and you know maybe a series aspect of home and away and and things like that so yeah it'll be really interesting and and I hope that that this Canadian division actually does happen because I, I like I said I, I you know it watching Calgary and Edmonton play when it matters in the standings for mm-hmm. you know uh, every Canadian team it will really uh, you know bring out a lot and even the Kachuk brothers playing against each other yeah. uh, in, in divisional games and yeah I, I think it just brings such a unique aspect and obviously the circumstances surrounding it are, are not ideal and the reasons why it's happening are not ideal but I, I think that it can be um, you know a positive part of of what happens and you know if it does if it does indeed happen but yeah it's there's a lot of interesting things and, and even just looking at at this calgary team and you you realize how interesting um these teams are that don't really get the focus uh, outside of of those markets and uh like, like you said montreal is a kind of unique market in, in that sense as as well but it, it's i i really do hope that it does happen uh because it's 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 an opportunity to to kind of you know, broaden your your scope. You know, and we're we're used mm-hmm. to you know going up and down the the you know the Atlantic, and you know you're used to seeing Tampa Bay and Florida, and, and and those aren't necessarily rivalries, but you see those teams often, right? And kind of expanding that to different divisions, uh, especially with the other Canadian teams, it, it kind of it, it will bring out those those emotions. And you know, go, going back from from a personal perspective, just you know. The Ottawa Senators were just always there, but then having a playoff series against the Ottawa Senators really yeah, yeah. Um, brought out those emotions on on both sides of the fan base. I think, uh, and and it really you know even the players, uh, I I think that during those those postseason uh, series back to back years, um, obviously um, you know there was some bad blood and some bad hits and some uh, quotable moments as well, and um, it, I think that 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 does provide the the kind of rivalry aspect that um really brings teams in a weird way closer together uh even though they're 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 not necessarily nice to each other i I think that it does bring out that kind of um aspect that as you know media and and fans can bring out the best in the players as well um yeah definitely and 
Lucic even mentioned yesterday when we talked that he was looking forward to coming back to Montreal and <laughs> that those trips to Toronto and La Belle Provence um, would would sort of be a time lapse back into his Boston days when he was younger and um, it'll be it'll be exciting. I, I I think it'll be it'll be such a cool opportunity for for people in Montreal to learn more. I, I think they they know you know with with Elias Patterson they know about the Canucks mm-hmm. and they know about the Oilers through McDavid and Drysdale. But for teams such as Winnipeg and Calgary, it'll be it'll be cool for those franchises to get in front of fresh eyeballs that that don't necessarily have a ton of familiarity with them and. It'll be some exciting hockey. I I think it'll be really high high octane and and I mean there there definitely won't be a shortage of quotable moments or 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 memorable situations. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th- thank you so much for taking the time with me today, and uh, best of luck in in your new role and, and all the best uh, going forward as well. Thanks a lot, Jared. Fun to hang out with. Absolutely. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.